I have a nice wide podium up here where I can put all of my, my Bible and my papers. If you would, turn to the book of Romans chapter 6, because that's where we're going to be spending most of our time this morning. In Romans, Paul addresses the problem of sin. In the first two and a half chapters, he demonstrates that all have sinned. If we look at Romans 3 and verse 23, we're all familiar with this verse. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In the next two and a half chapters, he declares how we can be justified by faith in Jesus Christ. In chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In verses 20 through 21 of the same chapter, he concludes that where sin increased, grace abounded much more. It says, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul then anticipates an erroneous, uh, an erroneous inference. Some might say, well then let's continue in sin that grace may abound. That's verse 1. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And this, but this is a conclusion that is repulsive to him. Notice verse 2. He says, by no means... If you're using King James Version or the ASV, you might see, God forbid. You might see, certainly not. Today, many Christians live in reference to sin as though they had the same idea. Living as though there is no need to be diligent in overcoming sin. They Perhaps they reason, well, if I sin, I can just confess my sin and, and God's going to forgive me. And so they continue in sin that grace may abound. And yet a careful study of Romans chapter 6 reveals why this thought is absurd. Paul provides four reasons why we should not continue in sin. And when they understand us, they will when we understand them, excuse me, they will prompt us to say with Paul, by no means, certainly not. Shall we continue in sin? No, we died to sin. Notice verse 2. How can we who died to sin still live in it? We were crucified with Christ in baptism. Notice verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised with the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Baptism is a burial into the death of Christ. Baptism is where we are crucified. 
with Christ. And so baptism, not repentance, but baptism is where we die to sin. And having been crucified with Christ should affect the way that we live our lives. We're all familiar with Galatians 2 and verse 20. Perhaps we have sung it, in fact. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Because we have been crucified with Christ in baptism, we can now walk in newness of life. Going again to verse 4, he says that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 5, For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Just as Christ rose from that grave, So we rise from baptism to walk in newness of life. We are now a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Because we walk in newness of life, we are no longer slaves of sin. Uh, we we in the Bible study hour we were in Matthew chapter eleven, and we were, we read we did not get to uh, expound upon it very much at all but we read in verse twenty eight come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest he was speaking of the labor and the heavy burden that sin requires of us. But we are no longer slaves of sin. Verses 6 and 7. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. The very purpose of dying to sin in baptism is to be free from sin. This is a point that Paul is going to expound upon uh, a little later. In as we study. Because we're no longer slaves of sin, because we've been buried with Christ, because we've been raised to walk in newness of life, we can now live with Christ. Notice verses 8 through 10. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin... Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Christ now lives with God in newness of life. And because we have died with Christ, so can we. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The idea of being alive in Christ leads to Paul's second major point in response to this question. Shall we continue in sin? And he says, no, because we are alive to God. Notice verse 11. 
So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Because we are alive to God, because we have died to sin, sin does not have to reign in us anymore. Verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. We who were dead in sin can now choose not to let it reign in us. We are no longer debtors to sin. Notice Romans 8, verses 12 and 13. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Our bodies can now be instruments of righteousness. Verse 13 of chapter 6. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. We can present ourselves to God as alive from the dead, as instruments of righteousness to Him. That is, we can now glorify Him even with our bodies. Notice 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. God's grace frees us from sin's dominion. Notice verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Sin no longer needs to be our master. In Christ we have been set free. Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. But this freedom is not a license to sin. We're all familiar with James Bond. He had a license to kill. But we do not have a license to sin. On the contrary, consider Paul's third point in response to the question, shall we continue in sin? He says, no, we are to be slaves of righteousness. We're going to skip ahead to verse 19 and then come back and look at some of the verses preceding that. Verse 19, he says, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity into lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. We are sla- the fact is, you know, we, we we live in America. We are Americans. We like to say we are free people, and uh, certainly we do enjoy many great political freedoms. But at the end of the day, we are slaves. We are slaves to whatever we obey. According to Romans 6, verses 15 and 16, Paul makes this point. He says, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness? Grace is no excuse to sin. We are either slaves of sin or slaves of righteousness. There is no Uh, middle ground, there is no third way. If we continue in sin, if we practice sin, 
we once again become slaves of sin. John 8 and verse 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And for Christians to continue in sin makes things worse. If you were with us in the uh, adult Bible study hour, you've already heard this passage once and now you'll get to hear it again. 2 Peter 2, 20-22 For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. When we obeyed the gospel, we became slaves of righteousness. Verses 17 and 18. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. We were slaves of sin. But when we obeyed from the heart the doctrine, the the gospel that commands baptism, we were set free from sin. We were set free not just from sin's condemnation, though that certainly happened. We know Acts 2 and verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 22 and verse 16, Why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on His name. We've already seen Romans 8, which tells us that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we're freed not just from sin's condemnation, but also sin's dominion. We've already read Romans 8, 12, and 13. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We are freed from sin's dominion. But we were set free from sin for a purpose. We were set free from sin so that we could become slaves to righteousness. And now we are to serve righteousness like we once served sin. We previously offered our bodies as slaves to sin. So now we offer our bodies as slaves of righteousness for the purpose of producing holiness. 1 Peter 1, verses 14 and 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy Finally, we note Paul's concluding point in response to the question, shall we continue in sin? His fourth point, his fourth answer is no, because the wages of sin is death. Romans 6 and verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The fact is that the fruit of slavery to sin is death. Go back to verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. This death is separation from God. Death is the end of those enslaved to sin. This death is separation 
from God. Living in sin separates us from God now. In Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Living in sin separates us from God now, and dying in sin will separate us from him in eternity. In Revelation 21 and verse 8, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. On the other hand, the grace of God offers eternal life. Romans six twenty-two and 23. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. By His grace we have been set free from sin by baptism. We've already seen Romans 6. Uh, we, we've read most of Romans 6, which uh, especially verses 2 through 14 uh, tell us that, that we've been set free by baptism. Notice also Titus 3, 4 through 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. By His grace, we can now be slaves to God through continued obedience. By His grace, we can bear the fruit of holiness, which in turn leads to eternal life. Let's go to Romans chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. In conclusion, shall we continue in sin if we understand what Paul has written in this chapter, then we will cry out with him, by no means. Paul's strong response has been variously translated. It is not to be thought of. Not at all. That be far from us. Of course not. May it never be. Far be it. Never. By no means. Certainly not. Heaven forbid. God forbid. May we develop the same response to taking sin lightly. As we close, we have to ask you, have you been set free from sin? Have you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful, but 
It is also simple. Scripture tells us that we must hear the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. That faith is is a... Uh, we're, called, we're called to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But that belief is not just an acknowledgement. Yeah, I think Jesus is the Son of God. It is something that has to be active. It, that faith has to be so powerful. It has to be so convincing to you that it causes a change in your mind, a change in your thinking that leads to a change in life. That's called repentance. Luke 13 and verse 3, we, we read that if we do not repent, we too shall likewise perish. Our belief has to be so powerful that we're willing to stand in front of others and say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We have to believe in Him enough to acknowledge Him before others. Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33. If we do so, He's willing to acknowledge us before His Father in heaven. Having done those things, we're called uh, to be baptized in water, to submit to immersion for the remission of our sins. Perhaps you have done those things, but you have not lived faithfully, which is the final requirement, Revelation 2 and verse 10. Maybe you haven't lived faithfully. Instead, you've become enslaved to sin once again. We have an opportunity to come back. We have an opportunity to become enslaved to righteousness once more. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. 1 John 1 verse 7. Whatever, if you have any need this morning, let the grace of God deliver you from the guilt and power of sin by responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have any need this morning, please let it be known as we stand and as we sing.